Welcome to Pablo Head Investigates, my podcast where I talk to my favorite musicians about their creative process. In today's episode, I get to talk to Melissa Aldana, one of the great saxophone players of our time. She first came to my attention when she won the Thelonious Monk competition and I've been closely following what she's up to ever since. Then out of the blue, I got a text from her where she said that she really likes the podcast. Of course, I was flattered and amazed because I never really expect anybody to know about the podcast, but getting such a feedback from somebody like that is always, uh, you know, very nice. <laughs> so we kept in touch, wanting to make plans for an interview. And it finally happened this year. And I'm really, really happy to share this now with you. We talk a lot about her creative process, about her way of practicing, about transcription and learning from the masters. In particular, we talked about Mark Turner, Sonny Rollins, Jimmy Heath, and what she could learn from them. Her latest record, 12 Stars, which was produced by Lage Lund, is also uh, a big topic of our conversation. We go into detail about how the process was of Lage uh, producing the album and how she wrote certain songs and how Lage enhanced certain songs by, you know, producing um, and, and arranging uh, some of the songs as well. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. I had a great time talking to her and I'm glad I can share this now with you. This is actually the point of why I'm doing this interview series. Of course, I have a lot of questions uh, about my favorite artists and I, I need to know all this, this stuff, but getting to share this with others is uh, something that I really enjoy so that we can all learn together from these great artists. If you're new to this channel, please subscribe and leave a comment. I always read them and it's great to get all your feedback and uh, get to know what you guys think. Uh, if you would like to support the podcast, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Pablo Held. It really helps me to develop this podcast further, put out more interviews and pay everybody involved fairly. All my patrons get exclusive content and I'm doing online hangouts, listening sessions, I'm sharing transcriptions and lead sheets. Also, my patrons get a discount on the Investigation Notes notebook that I put out myself. You can get this on my Bandcamp page. It's an eco-friendly produced notebook with staff paper and you can write down all the things that, that you don't want to forget that you find inspiring and you could then put it in your back pocket. It has this really cool, small format that uh, fits into your pockets and you can take it everywhere with you. So all my patrons get a discount on that. You can get it on my Bandcamp page. And I wish you now all the best and lots of great insights and inspiration from this episode. Thank you. To prepare, I did a lot of things, but um, one thing that I really wanted to do is go back to uh, read your um, Sonny Rollins interview that I really, really love. And uh, I read it, I think, when it came out, I think seven years ago or something. Mm -hmm. And I was really excited then, um, but it was really nice to go back to it. And I actually went back in the last week two times to read it because it's so fascinating how how encouraging he is how yeah. open he is and how full of love he is and and ready to share and yeah. these are always the kind of interviews i'm looking for because 
I could I could relate to you in that moment because it, to me it felt like reading your questions and your the things that you had to say in the interview it was like oh I think Melissa waited a long time for this and uh, mm -hmm. Melissa was ready to ask those questions. Yeah, absolutely. And you know a lot of those um, a lot of the things that he said uh, still resonates with me a lot. And as I grow older and I have more experience, I sort of understand a little bit deeper um, yeah. of what he was trying to tell me, you know? Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that I, I remember is that he, he mentioned, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but like he mentioned that he was trying to sort of go back to the same feeling that he had when he first started playing the saxophone. Yeah. You know, um, the pure love for music and and i can sort of i can i can so relate to that you know i think that that relationship with the instrument uh the relationship that you make like sort of the same thing that you have when you first play the instrument you fall in love with it is something that you have to nurture and it's something really important to to stay in touch with exactly exactly for what i remember like i asked him what he was like how the way that he practiced or what he was into it um now and how that has changed uh since he was younger you know so i remember he's saying like since as he gets older he's always trying to work he's trying to reconnect to the same feeling that he had when he first took the saxophone and that yeah. um and that to me is just like something that i can really resonate because there's just so many things around you know there's so many things that make us uncomfortable and make us out of like what we really feel that like we should be doing Yeah. And I think that's important to always be connected with, with following like our instinct, you know. What are those earliest um, uh, feelings that you still try to connect to when, when you think about your instrument? Um, can you remember some of those feelings? Um, the, yeah, like the, like the, how say, like the urge, like, to learn something you know mm -hmm. and that's something that i nurture every day like it's not that i'm like super inspired every day but every day i do nurture that the part of me you know like i try to find something that inspires me something that yeah I, like i don't practice automatic pilot you know i try to always like practice something that is fundamental but in different ways mm -hmm. uh, something that like takes me out of like just the everything that's going on in my head sort of like a meditation you know and mm -hmm. um, But when I was a child, like it was much easier to connect with that. Yeah. And and I remember that um, my my dad used to make me like really excited about learning new solos, for example. Yeah. And and it was always like a challenge, and and I remember like feeling so passionate about just wanting to play it like perfect as it is, you know. Do you think the 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 ability to connect to our uh, what is it intuition or or um, personal feelings like that as a child is way easier because we didn't have intellectual thoughts like we have maybe now after studying this music and and you know being a professional of this music we didn't have that back then so maybe it was easier to connect to that and that's i think what sony is talking about to to leave the professionalism behind and and go to towards the that core of why we're actually doing this yeah i mean you know also like 
I mean, just like the, the idea of wanting to fit, you know, the idea of wanting to be accepted, you know, being wanted to be part of something, you know, that is something that is important to us as a human beings, you know, and I feel like that, of course, can get in the middle of the of the music and in the middle of what you represent, you know? Yeah, totally. And so also a way of maybe accepting yourself a little bit more uh, throughout the years. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that definitely is, to me, that is definitely part of the process of a musician, I think. Mm. You know, coming into terms with the things that you love and, and letting them go and then accept that maybe you don't hear the things in certain ways and allowing, like, your own conclusion come out. Mm. Um, you just mentioned something that I found interesting because I, I have similar things that I'm doing. Um of of working on something trying to learn and look at it from different ways like like a little cell or something of an idea can you maybe um explain this in um relation to something that you have done recently mm -hmm. um like for example when i you know when i think about practicing um i think about my practicing that needs to cover like three important areas but they're all connected so it's sound, time, feel, and ideas, you know? So rather than practicing something like, okay, now I wanna practice this, and now separately I wanna practice this and this, like whatever I wanna learn is something that is gonna be applied to all those things I'm, I'm, I need to yeah. work on, you know? So I find a way to to practice long tones um, playing voices, you know? So I find different voices. So for example, like sometimes I, I may play a voicing, you know, let's say like a D flat seven and, you know, 13, Mm. um flat nine without you know without playing the root for example you know so i put that mental rule so i know that i'm in the flat but i'm not playing the flat you know right so i'm thinking about just colors i'm thinking okay that now the 13 and since it's being jumps i get to like really see how is my how much control i have over the horn you know so it's like right. sort of working on many multiple things at the time and and then you know like then i may play like the 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 c flat which will be you know the minor seven and then uh a d i mean i uh yeah the d that will be like the flat or minus. e double flat or whatever you want to yeah. call it anyway but like the next day i may go back to the same voicing and be like okay that low d uh, b flat now is a flat nine you know mm -hmm. so i start playing the same voicing like thinking in a much different way you know what i mean right so that's sort of the way that I, I always, I'm constantly like sort of trying to look things from a lot of different places and see how, you know, rather than thinking corporate core, it's like, how is, what is the bigger picture, how they all connect together. Yeah. I think I, I read a, a quote by, uh, was it Coleman Hawkins or Ben Webster? I'm not sure. He said, I don't play chords. I only play movements. Yeah. And I think that's, that's exactly what you're talking about, right? I mean... Yeah, Sometimes I mean, we hear now, this with other people only playing, you know. I mean, there's a danger of you seeing that one chord or imagining that one chord and then playing something that fits that chord. And then you play something that fits the next chord. How can you actually connect those two? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you that you mentioned um, Colin McHawking because yesterday actually um, I had Cecile and Sally went over for dinner mm -hmm. and we were talking about, you know, just like, like you know like the importance of like coming from the tradition and how you connect that with who you are right now and 
And one thing that it, it came to mind, it was like, to me, it sounds like we are going back to the original way of how the saxophones are being played, you know, but with a much wider range, mm. you know, because if you hear somebody like, you know, George Connor, for example, doing the first um, version of, you know, Body and Soul, he's playing a lot of arpeggios and he's sort of like playing around George that. Coleman or um, Coleman Hawkins? Uh, Coleman Hawkins, sorry. Yeah. Coleman Hawkins. Yeah. Um, and and the and the way that he's playing, it reminds me a lot of like sort of the way that Mark plays, but it's just like in a much different range, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So to me, it's really interesting to see, you know, how everything is connected and he's sort of going back to that. Yeah. I mean, that's um, was Coleman Hawkins somebody who's who who was important to you in your development? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. In what way? I mean, what kind of records did you check out? And and mm-hmm. to me, it was more about like you know the slurring notes, mm-hmm. and and I just remember like spending a lot of time transcribing ballads, you know, more than like a specific record uh, when I was at Berkeley, and mm-hmm. and the slurring note is something that I was really trying to apply, you know, and importance of like dynamics and in the way that he was blowing the low note. He wasn't as strong as, you know, a smart Tony or something volumes, but it was definitely an influence. Mm, yeah. So what I'm always fascinated with, I always love to hear when I, I always like to hear when I, I hear somebody being influenced by somebody, or I always like to hear if I'm seeing or hearing somebody working stuff out because I'm fascinated with the idea of, being influenced by something and but how do we exactly what you said how do we make it our own and develop it further in our own way uh, leaving the things behind that are maybe not so much uh, ourselves you know mm-hmm. and but but progressing with something that is it comes out of a tradition or it comes from somewhere but is connected to us yeah i i to me um You know, I think about transcriptions as a way to understand who am I, you know, through somebody else uh, playing. You know, so when I think about the idea of sound or idea of time, feel like it, that is not really something that you can explain. You need to connect with that and and sort of being able to absorb it and then make it, you know, bring it to the to the technical part. You know, which is having, you know, practicing with metronome, practicing with long, I mean, with long tones. You know. Mm. Um, Uh, being being making sure like you're in tune the consistent of the sound but if you don't understand like what you like there is not a sort of uh, direction when it comes to that the same when it comes to you know working on articulation or, or working on on time field or ideas like how do you leave space like you just have to absorb those two, those things mm-hmm. mm. But I mean, if you figure out what the things you like are, uh, what the things you like are in a certain solo, what happens next? You know, what um, what's ha- what's happening with these specific uh, uh, moments? Um, well, like my process has been very, um, very, very slow, and maybe a little bit. Um, different i always i always sort of like to do the things my own way and 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 i always thought that 
even though I went through the process of, you know, learning, um, I went through the process of learning um, Charlie Parker solos in the 12, you know, learning leaks in the 12 keys and really doing, you know, learning vocabulary. As I was getting older, I, I, the idea of just getting a leak and playing the 12 keys and then trying to play it never felt good to me, you know? Yeah. And, I, and, and I'm not saying that I wasn't trying to play like them, you know, but, but like, I always was questioning, like, how did he get there? You know, why, exactly. why, he, you know, and, and even before that, like, to me, uh, like, that is just something where to advance because there is even deeper things than what he's playing. That's just notes, you know, it's like the way that he's playing the notes, the mm. sound, um, yeah. the, the time field, you know, like the intent, it's like that to me is emotional content. That is what makes Sonny Rollins, Sonny Rollins, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and understanding that to me requires to just like really trust the process, you know. And and I was very lucky that my my dad told me that since I was very young. Um, you know, we will sit down hours and hours and and you know, like play a phrase until it was exactly the same, exactly the same. Yeah. And he made me so excited and so like really wanted to uh, get it perfect, you know. And, and, and actually just, just to, you know, make a parenthesis and tell the story, which I shared with one of my students and, and it really made me feel very emotional. You know, like when I was younger with my dad, we used to transcribe, like spend hours transcribing. And at some point we got into Feel Good and, and there is a tune, a version that he played uh, of a tune called Sleep, I Sleep in Thee. Mm-hmm. And he plays an intro, I mean, the verse, and then he plays a tune. But I remember as we were working on the solo, and, you know, I was like 80 years old, um, he was telling me as we were listening, like an actual story. He came out with the story that I actually believed back then, you know, and the story was that, um, yes, the story of this leader B, you know, that she will uh, wake up, she was super hangover, you know, and then she has to start with the day and then like, She's like, oh shit, I don't want to like, I don't want to go. And then she's like pushing and pushing. And then at some point she's like, okay, I'm, I'm going. And and my dad made a whole story describing her trip, you know, going to her work or whatever. And and I will never forget about that because right now understanding he was trying to connect me with the emotional content of what he was playing. Mm. And if I will imagine this story, I was like, yeah, of course, I would get to the feeling of like playing like, I mean, for example, like a like a falling down, like you know, like if he makes me think about like a, a um, you know a bee trying to fly and falling, right. I can much more connect with that, you know, as a kid. It becomes easier to remember then, also, right? If you can oh, attach yeah. it to emotional content like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so since I did that with my dad, my process when I went to when I went to Berkeley was like. I just gonna transcribe until it makes sense. I hope one day it makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so I remember I got into Mark Tanner, transcribed everything, like all the Kurt uh, albums with Kurt, the uh, bootlegs, you know, all his um everything, 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 you know, like and I first I wanted to master the sound. So I wanted to sound I was like, I just wanna sound exactly like Mark Tanner, you know. <laughs> I don't care. What people say, or yeah. I like, I really do not. I just want to be Martin right now, mm. and 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 you know because also like the idea of like 
avoiding that doesn't make sense to me. You know, like Mark is, is an elder, you know, like it took him years to be able to play like that, you know. So how he got there, like to me, you can learn that through transcription from he was when he was very young and then older and see how, you know, where are his influences and everything. Hmm. Um, and then once I will get the, the sound, like I, at the same time, I work on the time field, you know, so I can't even explain you what is his time field or his articulation, but like, I just know exactly how he will, I just know it, you know? And, and then it happened that like, after like, I think that like three to four years, it gets to a point where like, okay, I got the sound and I got the the time field and it gets really close, you know? And back then, like, even though I'm not sure like what he's playing exactly, I can hear what he plays, you know, Mm -hmm. because I hear it so much. So I can... Like I learned first of all about the space. Like everything that I know about taking a space comes from like hundreds of transcriptions, you know, because I hear how it should be and I know how I like it, you know? Yeah. Because I hear some other people doing it. Um and then, you know, it comes to a process of like deep crisis where it's like, who am I? Because I'm used to like every time I'm gonna do a ballot intro, I'm just like, okay, Mark, like people, you know, like <laughs> or or like I will do Sunny Rollings. And then all the signs, like, I really don't know what I, what, I don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. And and to me, those moments of crisis, uh, vulnerability or like playing with no ego has to do with the moment of growth, you know, because you're, you're using the information just to understand like where you should go rather than just like staying stuck with it, you know? But there's a danger of staying stuck with it. I mean, a lot of people, you know, don't get, go the extra mile of, you know, they transcribe solos or one solo and um, try to get as close as they can and then just stop. You know, they don't have the that extra urge of, but okay, but who am I now? You know, uh, what does it mean to me, those notes? Yeah, but I think that it has to do with like just being afraid because it's a terrifying place, you know, yeah. and I know... And I, look, like, I'm not saying, like, I'm far from everywhere, and yet, like, I mean, I'm just starting my process, you know, and, and, but I can see it so clearly because of what I experienced, you know, like, in my head, like, I always have this idea of, like, what does it mean to be a killing saxophone player, you know, and, and this is, like, I think about killing saxophone player, somebody like, please, like, Chris Potter, who I love, you know, I've been inspired for years, and he's my idol, and that's, like, pfft, burning you know mm-hmm. and this is then conscious and and you know so i transcribe a lot of chris potter and i'm not saying like i could play like him but like i i know i can deal with it you know because i have a lot of like chris potter and to me that's why like i transcribe so much mark and then i have a very deep period with michael breaker and i practice so 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 much on the horn and like knowing all like i want to know everything and i and it's like an endless process just to admit that I don't hear the music that way, you know? Yeah. And I want to, I mean, I want to play like that just because like, okay, I really don't hear it that way, but like I can do the other things, but it's not a, like, you know, so I think that also has to do with my, with my ego too, you know, mm-hmm. like the idea of like, maybe I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I'm a little bit more sensitive. Maybe I'm a female, but you know, like all these things. And it's like, no, I just like, I really hear the music the way that I'm hearing it right now. And I can even mm-hmm. go against it. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think the like it really helped me to go through this process. How? Because we, I mean, he's one of my closest friends and, 
And when we when we're on the roads, he knows that I still like I still do like you know three two three hours when I'm on the road for a month like every city that we are. And and I'm usually I was usually like transcribing sometimes or just like going for like writing for a gig, you know. So I would be transcribing like some killer like uh, Chris Porter song and then go and play and just like have, you know, I was like attached. Okay, now I want to play like this or this. And and before recording the album, he said like as a producer, I need you to stop transcribing. Like I need you to stop listening. Like you, you know. He's like you got it. Um, I'm always going to go back to it, you know, because I, I just really care for going deeper. But but like I had to go through a crisis where I was like, I don't know what I want to practice right now because those hours were always transcribing and always like sort of, you know. And and it got me into like start thinking about practicing creativity, you know, like what are, mm. what are the things that are personal to me in the way that I play, which I was like, I was shadowing by like the fear of like, I want to sound like this or this, you know, but they always been there. And that's the interesting mm-hmm. thing, you know, which is like, it's a, it's a thing they do, you know, when I, when I play between the E and the C on the high notes on the saxophone that um, it comes from like a lot of Kurt, you know, and, and, and to me, it's not nothing that I always noticed, but then when I went to a crisis, I started like, and I, you know, I started hearing some students that are playing like that. I'm like, oh, wow, this is personal to me, you know, even though I stole it from another source, but it's a conclusion of like all the things that I like, yeah, you know, and and the same when it comes to the time field. Um, but I, I had to go through a crisis in order to understand that, you know, and and that is a scary thing because we, we want to be accepted, you know, we want to sound good in front of everyone. We want to, you know, and that's just part of being a human being, I think. Well, Melissa, there are a lot of things that I want to touch on right now uh, from mm-hmm. what you just said. Um, so let me make sense of it. <laughs> okay. um, I'm interested in practicing practicing creativity. Can you explain what that meant to you? Yeah. Um, practicing creativity to me has to do with... Um, Like working on your ideas, you know what I mean. Um, but where do you start? Where like, where yeah, do you like, start? so working, so working on your ideas in a much slower pace. You know what I mean. And and ideas that are not based on something that um okay, I want to play like this or this or I want to part. You know, but it's more about to like just let your ear go with what is hearing. You know, but it's based on the fact that like for not for the last two. For four hours, I have been practicing harmony, you know. So I'm practicing harmony in a way, you know, for example, when I think about Sullivan, you know, like I think about Sullivan, like um, playing a tune and then just like doing this crazy harmonization and like just like the most beautiful things I don't even know where it's coming from. And but it's coming from like so much deep knowledge into the harmony and his craft. So I want to know harmony on a piano level like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's hard for me to draw exactly what is the harmony that is going on, but I wanna, I wanna be able to, you know, I wanna be able to use harmony in a way that I can express my, I can express my emotions with my lines, you know, because yeah. to me, voice leading has to do with creating emotions, you know, 
like I can't tell you exactly I'm sad or like have all these lyrics, but like if I'm working with harmony plus all the other things I could add, I can be more direct with what I'm actually trying to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and emotionally and physically I can connect with it in a different way, you know? So when I'm practicing creativity, I'm just allowing my emotional um part to come out you know so i may you know i may play for example 26 2 but i may play like a ballad or like and then just like really play what i'm hearing you know and what i'm hearing has like a line has like so i'm trying to detach or i'm trying to at least like be like believe the knowledge and the bar per bar thing and the thing that i'm playing 26 2 um on a subconscious level you know and then so I'm able to consciously engage into like what I'm thinking or whatever is happening around, you know? Yeah. So I know that, for example, when I'm practicing creativity, you know, uh, something that is important to me is to always revisit uh, standards, even though I don't play them in gigs and I really miss it. Um, like I know like a lot of standards, you know, I need the 12 keys and I'm constantly learning. And, and just being able to like practice that and then trying to find my own way to like play my bebop lines or connect to like that where is that coming from with the knowledge of harmony and where I can actually like to me the way that I hear music like I, 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 I like to hear like dynamics or colors or things like that you know so I'm trying to just find like the between between those two the, between those two things that I like, you know what I mean? Because to me, the mother or like what I don't like to name things, but like whatever is coming now is absolutely connected with that. So how like how can I make beautiful harmonic lines, you know? Yeah. Without being engaged and without being in a box of like, okay, now I'm gonna play people, I'm gonna play like that. It's like the beauty of connecting harmony. So when I practice creativity, I try I, that is what I'm practicing. You know, I think that really comes across in um, what you're doing, especially now, that last record. But in the past weeks leading up to this, I, w- I was listening to all of your work. I mean, um, things that I hadn't heard for a while or hadn't heard at all before. And, um, you know, we talked already about, you know, Sonny being an influence and Mark Turner and, and Kurt Rosenwinkel. And there were certain moments in your discography or in your development where those uh, those influences pop up more clearly, you know, yeah. uh, where it's maybe easier to make a connection. But in this last album, especially... What came to my mind was um, that you've gained more ability to um, to express a lyricism in your m- melodies, despite involved harmonies. So uh, I can see you flowing over the bar lines, uh, where a lot of other saxophone players or generations of saxophone players would be. Uh, at least from their um, to prove their ego or to prove to their ego, I can play those chords in this tempo and in this rhythm, you know, I can play through those chords. I can see you being more brave like that 
working with, you know, just I, I think when someone was where it thought, wow, she's that's brave to only only play uh, lyrical melodies over those involved harmonies like that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the thing is that, like, you know, it's funny because when I'm practicing, like, I may play a solo like that, where I can play, like, all those lines that I consider killing and what should be, like, yeah. you know, so I make sure I can play that, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you uh, can, of course. Yeah, but, like, like, to me, the most beautiful thing about music is to be able to be present, you know? And I think that's a really hard thing to do as an adult and in these days in this society and with all the crazy shit that is happening, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and it's just part of the human nature to live ahead, you know? And it's hard to appreciate like, like the beauty of the moment, you know, that has to do with just like being present. Mm -hmm. And um, I, a lot of times I feel like the worst prisoner is like your own mind, you know? You, we are the ones that create like, we are the ones that have the control of what, how we want to live and the kind of person that we want to be. And, and to me, that is like being able to play music. I'm able to have that experience, you know, meaning that I'm able to, to sort of take all those things that are around that are external, whatever, and just be in the moment and present with the person I am and just with the knowledge and the work that I have, you know, and I'm able to share that, like the moment with more people where, there is no about being a female or a male. There is not about being black or white. You know, there is not about vaccination or like it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's like really just the moment, you know, and it's very unique. And I'm able to like really, like if I'm allowing myself to just like play what I'm hearing and go with the flow, it's like, it's beautiful. You know what I mean? So if I'm able, if I'm communicating with the band, like I'm not thinking about what I'm playing. I'm thinking about how we're playing together, you know, how we're having exactly. a conversation. So if somebody's busy, like I'm, I'm talking to that person, like I'm not going to just overplay just because I want to say something, you know what I mean? I'm going to play whatever fits the music, even if that means I'm just playing one note. But in order to get to that level, it takes a lot of, you know, like I've been playing since I was six years old and, and I practice my, like, you know, before that recording in the morning, I I woke up at five and I practiced for hours before going to the session, you know, and I took a coffee, a workout, I was like, okay, practicing, serious practicing. And so when I got to a set, I was just so relaxed, you know, I was like, I don't have anything, like I can fly on the saxophone right now. I feel very, very secure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I work because I mean, I'm a very insecure, I'm insecure person. I think that it's normal to be insecure and question yourself. Everybody I is. Think, yeah, and I question myself when I don't do the work. So if I do the work and I know and it wasn't the way that I want it to be, like I just know that like I try with my heart to be the best I could. You know what I mean? And I can live with that. So that is sort of the way that um, I think about music. You know, it's just like as control freaks as I am on the other side, if I want to find like something that like, I want to feel something, you know, I want to, I want to make sense out of all of this, you know, it doesn't make sense to me to like work so much and be two months on the road and not being able to, you know, like keep a relationship and like, start, you know, it, that doesn't make sense to me if I'm not feeling what I'm doing, you know? So 
so that is the way that I think about music. And I think that has to do with also going through a very deep process of like learning how to be alone, you know, and being comfortable under my own skin. So it's the that's why also I shared the 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 actual story of the album without like I didn't want to get that personal, but it's just like it's really like what happened during that that time of of my life, like just this process of like just just let it go, you know, like I really need to learn how to let it go. Mm-hmm. And and life knows me well. And that was like completely related to music, you know, just like just let it go. It's it's cool, you know, like what is what is what is next? Mm. As you just said, you know, Lager said to you, let it go, uh, you know, and, and uh, I've read also in other interviews that it's, it's kind of a very personal album for you. So it really makes sense to have those people on the record that are that close oh. to you, you know, as opposed to oh, just yeah. having a session kind of vibe with whoever's around to play your songs. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I never believe on that, you know what I mean? Like that. Like even though the the the, the idea of doing something like that, I don't want to want the mom competition came came to like oh maybe we should do it. You know, I'm like it's just not real. You know, like these people are part of my generation, part of my story, and and there's a commitment and a growth that we are going for. You know, as a band, I mean, I think it's important to to have that energy. I'm with the bass player Pablo. You you've been playing together for 15 years or 10 or. Pretty long, uh, right? Yeah, um, at least 12 years since I moved to New York. Um, he had an injury, so I couldn't play with him for a couple of years. But mm. uh, Pablo has been, yeah, he's been part of the band forever. Yeah. How does the relationship change for you, like, uh, in, over, t- over the course, course of 12 years? I mean, the trust just builds, builds and builds, right? But... Uh, How does it feel for you on on stage or in the uh, in the studio? Um, it feels it just feels like family, you know. Like I'm not afraid to like I don't feel like I have to prove anything to them, you know. Like I I feel I feel so much respect from them, so much like so much care and just so much love, like beyond like just being a part of the band, you know. It's just like there is like a very deep friendship a very deep like care and 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 it feels like we are into a mission together you know it's not about like oh now i want to grow and it's like we want to find something but together you know and and to me you know i always felt like that with pablo and i think that we were sort of looking for the people that would fit into that you know, for many years. And that's why we changed, you know, we changed to different drummers. And it was never about the music. It was more about like, okay, this is the mindset. Like we're coming from the same places when it comes to music. Hmm. Um, when I think about the new record, um, I'm very interested in how the process was for you and Lager to work together on the music, because I understand that some or most of the music was written together or at least arranged by him or because he was the producer. So at first I want to know what you were looking for when you asked him to produce the album. What, what did you have yeah. in mind? Um, you know, it sort of came as an intuition. Um, I grew up, well, it's actually like an interesting story because 
um, you know, I moved to Brooklyn at some point during the pandemic because I, I was just like, I can't live in Harlem anymore. This is, I'm alone. Like I haven't seen anybody for three months. And I moved to Camila Mesa's place um, back then. And, and, you know, back then I was, I was alone. Pablo was alone and Kush was alone. And actually, Charles Ventura um, was around the area too. He was with his girlfriend. And we were all just like going through the pandemic. And at some point, I was like, let's do a composer session. So, you know, let's just like everyone bring a tune a week. And, you know, I make some tacos. We could, we can do testing. And I was trying to like think back then and now also, like, I really understand the importance of community, you know, the mm. importance of relationships with people and, and taking the time to nurture those relationships, you know, beyond yeah. just just work you know uh which is something that i do with the bandmates constantly you know we hang like you know we always make plans and we're always going out and you know just talking a lot and 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 you know back then i started taking like tarot lessons so it was like i just want to grab music inspiring each one of the major canons and i wrote a bunch of music and the music also like that was written in the beginning of the pandemic when i had started having dreams you know like the feelings that i was having and it started also because I, w- I was like, okay, I need to learn how to play piano. Like that is really important. I feel like, I feel stuck. That's how I felt. You know, I, I was like, I'm stuck. And it's because I don't know about piano. Like I hear so many things like I don't even understand. So maybe the process needs to go a little bit backwards and like start naming things that I hear. And, and you know, like, so one thing that I understand by experience is that the, like the importance of building your confidence when it comes to the process, you know, because the process is very scary to write music. So the things that made me confident, and I, I know that like it makes me feel stronger about it, is like if if I'm constantly just bringing songs and I get to hear them and then I can come back and be like, oh, I don't like this, I don't like, and then I bring them, you know what I mean? Rather than just going to the session and be like, oh, this is all the music and then like nothing works and everything, you know? So I like... Yeah, yeah. To go slowly, you know, and not have surprises and like workshop it and then here again. And and I was lucky now that like the guys, you know, they're my best friends. So we were like, we changed like falling and into like so many times. Like I have all those recordings, everything yeah. is twisted around. And, and you know, we would play the sessions and then we, um, then I will cook. I will make some tacos. Then I will start reading the tarot because I was taking lessons. <laughs> I was yeah. just like. And then the beautiful moment where we're just like, oh, I love this Michael Breaker uh, record. And like, you know, start going to the three quartets and listening to so many things that we had in common musically that I didn't even know. Yeah. And and this was something that I did twice a week, you know, for a year. That's so great. and and you know, like at some point, um, you know, my manager was helping me with the idea of Blue Note, but I already have the music ready. And I was like, okay. You guys, like Pablo and Kush, Lage is in Europe, and then when it's Taliban, because I think that Taliban is just like the perfect, it's just like I could see it and I could feel it. He is a tradition and the now, you know, which is like, to me is the most important. Like, even if I'm not gonna have like a, like a swing tune or something like that, like everything that I'm doing is coming from there, you know, and it's about melody, the beauty of the melody and the beauty of the harmony and how you're playing. Um, so Lagi happened to come to to New York, you know, because he has uh, he had to come because of you know some paperwork, and you know we we hung for like three days, 
um, drink margaritas, like, you know, have tacos at my place and talk, read the tarot, like went over a lot of music. And I was like, like you should produce the album, you know. You know, when, when I thought about Lagi producing the album, I thought about um, not him telling me what to play because I hate that. Like, I have a vision of, like, how I'm going to shape my soul. Like, I don't need anybody to do that, but, like, rather what is his vision of the music, you know, um, in relationship to what I, I was about to give him, you know. So I gave him a bunch of things, you know, and then he picked the things that he likes and... And then he work around that, you know. So there are some tunes that are like very similar, and he just added something that it makes it, it brought the personality out of every tune, you know. So the question that we have with Lage, or Lage, the question that Lage was wondering is like, what was exactly the intention that I had when I was playing, like what I was trying to say when I um, when I wrote that tune, you know, and how to bring that personality out. And then some other tunes were like he completely flipped everything around, um, like intuition, you know. So we mm -hmm. we said that we could, could grow that room. That's that the biggest tune. earworm for me, intuition. I love the melody. Yeah, and it stays with you. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you know, intuition came from I found a journal that like is like a grow. I was like, maybe you shouldn't do this, <laughs> you know. I was like, maybe, and I, I was like, wow, I. I did exactly what I told myself I shouldn't do, you know, and it's just like, for me, it's always been the trust process, the trust on what I feel. So I was like, I just want to write a tune that I just want to follow what I'm thinking. So I wrote the tune like in 30 minutes and, and it's much like the rhythm is completely different, but like it took it like, because it seems like it was a lot of information, like just like everything to together. So he completely spurred the tune and like, you know, repeated a section and brought all the beauty of the melody that was high hidden because of the way that I was writing. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Sometimes it takes somebody else to to take a a step uh, backwards and then be like, "Hey, this needs more space," or maybe switch this around, and then you still have the DNA of the song and the initial idea and the vibe but it yeah. just enriches it. It's good to have somebody close by like that. Yeah. And also I believe like um, collaborations are important in order to grow, you know, like you can grow alone, like in the history of, of the humanity, like, you know, you need to be surrounded by people in order to grow and, and find something. And, and that's going to change the way that you write and the way that you play, you know. So the way that I play right now, a lot is coming from Lage, but it's just influence, you know, because I hear him playing, I hear him, I talk to him about what he thinks, like his process. And and seeing what he did with my music for the album taught me a lot about things that I need to become more aware because actually I really love it. And like I what? was trying to say that, you know, it has to do with like... Um, you know, the, the details behind the music, you know, like the inner lines and how that shapes the motion of the tune, you know. And I was wondering about, sorry for interrupting me, I was wondering about there's this, the, the harmony line in 12 stars that is played by mm -hmm. the guitar and the mellotron uh, thingy, that the flute sound that's underneath the guitar. Yeah. I was wondering if that's kind of a moment like that or if you had this that, uh, those separate melodies going from the start already yeah i mean that is something that um 
like he wrote and, and he was trying, he was thinking about Barry Harris on the piano. And then, you know, like I will never think about that, but like, I'm like, of course, like in the way that I grow the music initially, when I go back to that, I'm like, I can hear that like that was missing there. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. So that taught me just so much, so much. And I may, I mean, completely like the process of learning the music for the album and playing the music has completely changed the way that I think about music in a very deep, in a very deep way, even though like, It may, you may not hear as much difference with the years before, but like there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of much more awareness of and sense of direction to the way that I want to play, you know? To be honest, I can, I can hear it. I mean, uh, you know, because I, I was checking out what, what came before and it sounded great already, but I really feel like this, this new album is a, a sort of a breakthrough for, from a lot of things And what comes out is, is even more Melissa. Uh, it's really, really fascinating to hear. Thank you. Yeah. But I'm thinking about you, you asked somebody like that for advice and you're getting a lot of new insights um, yeah. that are so, sort of sometimes hiding in plain sight, right? Like some of those ideas that you get from somebody else who's looking at the music, they're not... They're not, how do you say this? Um, in the end, you think, sure, why not? I, I could have thought of this maybe on my own, but I couldn't, you know, and, but now you think about it different. It changes your perspective. Were there also yeah. things that uh, there were, there were, which were hard for you to accept or hard for you to, uh, to, uh, to integrate into your music? Um. No, you know, because I think that like, like an important thing about being a band leader to me is understanding like, how can you bring the best out of everyone in a collaboration setting? You know what I mean? So it's not just about like what I think. And that's why to me, I have to have people that I can connect on a soul level, you know, like very, like it's very deep, you know, the thing that we have as a band. And, and, and I need to feel like I can trust them, you know? I can trust them that like, I'm gonna get, and many times it happens, you know, or like even happens, or even happened actually at the, at the studio where like, like went to a completely different place and it wasn't one second where everyone was like, we all just follow him, one yeah. second, you know? So, and also I'm not afraid to just like, not play and, and like, I know that they got me. So I think that it's really important um, to, to have that in a band and also make the band members feel like they're part of something bigger, you know what I mean? So it's not about all the tours I have now and the momentum and the cover or the blue you know, It's like about us really being able to have as much experience as we have so we can find something that we want to say, you know what I mean? And, and of course, like we need to, like, we need to have money. I need to have a career in order to have that. I mean, I want to live in a certain way so I can have the peace of mind to do my work, you know? So yeah. it happens to be with something that I really love what, what I do, you know? So like, this is not my album, you know, it, this is not like, this is our, our story together, you know? And 
so when I ask Larry to do it, I'm giving him the trust. You know, I trust him. Yeah. And I want him to like take things around. And he was actually very skilled, like, oh, do you like this? Do you like this? But it's like, to me, like change is really important. You know, like I don't want to sound the same as I did the last year. And I don't want my album to be the same. And I think that whatever I can do to like change a little bit of the direction, I'm open to that, you know? And, and so for me, it's like, of course, you know, like I trust him, of course. I know that whatever he's going to do is going to be nice. And, and, and there were things that were hard for me to play, you know, like intuition, like it's a lot of hard. It's like, I had to do so much work to sort of understand the way that he was writing the harmony, what he was hearing it. And, you know, and, but also it was connect like, it's sort of like the way that I was writing harmony, but in a much more detailed way, you know? Right, Melissa, you sound so fluent over that song. That's incredible how you move through the... Oh, oh but it was hours, <laughs> hours, like days, just like I learned all his voice leading. I was like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Like, what is like, you know, until I was like, oh, now I can see like, I can see the bigger picture now, you know, but it took a lot of work to, to understand because... I don't want to just play, you know, I don't want to just play the scale so what it works. I want to understand, like, I don't want to know, I want to know what Light is doing and I want to know what uh, Sullivan is doing mm -hmm. and I just want to take that and, and, and use it, you know? That's how so it sounds. complex. That's how it sounds. You you fly over those chords. It's it's really oh, a, a killing solo. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I, I, find, I find it interesting that, uh, you know, when we have teachers like that, or somebody who, who gives us insights or a new perspective like that. After that, sort of um, a little lager stays with you. You can be your own lager for a while and then something stay with you, right? Yeah. So I'm sure that was the same with you and your father as well and, and yeah. other, t other teachers. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they, you know, um, I think that when I think about the idea of being original, like that's something that I never really worked towards or like thought that it would be something, you know, but now I think that being like, we all are original, you know, just because we all have different stories yeah. and, and we're coming from different places and we like different things and I like different food and I like different kind of people and, and and my accent is different, you know, and my humor is different. And so it's all about just like allowing for all the stories to come out in the way that you are, you know, the sound is an influence of your stories, you know? Totally. But uh, did you also have the um, feeling I, with some of my teachers, I went through a, a phase of, you know, really taking the things that I was taught, you know, very seriously, of course, and then, you know, living that way almost. Mm -hmm. And then I think we talked about this before, then you come to a conclusion or to a, to a point where you're like, okay, but who am I? Or what does it mean to me now? And then there's sort of a, a puberty, a puberty thing going on where you have to kind of differentiate yourself or, or, take a step back from the things that you've learned of that have been so important to you. Um, 
and I've, you know, my father is a piano, piano player too. too. So um, when I read that um, your, your father was your earliest teacher in a way and a very strong personality for you, I wanted to talk to you about this actually. Um, um, if you have a parent who is also a musician doing the thing that you really want to do, how much is it? And I, that's a question that I don't have an answer for yet, but Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, you you look up to the guy, and you look up to to or you you want to do it too. But to what extent is it also that we're maybe in this music thing out of a need for approval of our father? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th I mean, I think that that is um, that's gonna be there. You know, like either if my father's a musician or not. I think that like yeah. as a kid, like the acceptance of your parents is a big part of the foundation of who you're going to become as an adult, you know? And I'm quite conscious of it because, like, I didn't necessarily have that, you know? And, but I did have an amazing teacher, you know? Like, I have somebody that um, gave me the tools to be the person that I am today, you know what I mean? And, and, and I think that, like, when I was, a kid, like I was, I always wanted like to have a relationship with my dad, you know, which is normal. Like we all kids want to have a relationship. And the relationship I had with him was through music, you know, mm -hmm. and the acceptance that I wanted to have was through like, I can learn this skill, you know, just like yeah, being yeah. able to play. And I'm, I know that that like now as an adult, like I can, I can run away from the fact that, yeah, of course, like, you know, we're human beings and, and that has to also shape the way that I am as a, as an adult these days, you know? And, and I think that um, that also to me that, that that was like a really, like a really beautiful thing, you know? Because like in the way that I wanted his approval, you know, like he taught me so much about the process, you know? And the yeah. love to really take the time and fall in love with what you do and like just like being obsessed with it and super passionate, you know? Yeah. I want to talk to you about, uh, actually, I want to get back to, to Sonia a little bit, because I was wondering what happened after this interview? You know, you've gotten really close. Uh, I think maybe even before that, he, he must have heard you. And he, I think he also comments on, you know, he, he says he's proud of you. He's proud of you. Like you're one of his own almost, you know, it's, that's so touching. That's incredible. But What happened after that? I mean, how did you, did you stay in touch? Uh, yeah, uh, no, you know, like I haven't, I mean, the most things I know from him because I'm very close to Milo Lyons, who is a repairman and somebody that um, used to fix my saxophone when I was in Boston, he's a saxophone repairman and, and somebody that, somebody that has done the saxophone of like, you know, Stan Getz and Sonny Rollins. And, and through him, like, Sonny knew about me because of Emilio. Emilio mm -hmm. loves me and I'm very close to him. Um, so unfortunately, like, we never really kept in, in touch as much. But I got to see him again when I played at the Apollo Theater, you know, and I got to see him at DC's uh, once. And, and it's always just, like, it's just so inspiring, you know. It's just so inspiring to, to look as his journey as a as an individual and how he is looking for that 
through music, you know? Yeah. So definitely like the bird, like three times that I, it's like something that I'm going to carry for the rest of my life. Yeah, I suppose so. How about Jimmy Heath? What kind of things did you learn from him? Uh, just being kind, you know, just being a kind, nice person, you know, like very empathic, like very aware. Um, like he always will make sure that everyone felt good around him, you know, and and it didn't matter like if you could play or not or like whatever, like he respected every human being from the doorman, you know, to the person that's introducing the show. And and I saw that and 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 I just like I I I I learned so much. I became so aware of it because of how he was, you know. Mm. And and the relationship that he has with his wife. Um just like all about love, the importance of love, the importance of community, the importance of friends, you know? Mm. And and then also was very inspiring to see him like practicing before the times that we play. He would what come and just do long what tones. Was that like long tones? Yeah, he will do long tones and plays, you know, like saxophone player things. And then he will come and he's like, oh, what mouth are you using or like what? Um, what are you practicing? How you practice, you know? And just always so curious. And always trying to like get ahead of things. You know, I remember going to his house and he was learning how to do, um, I think there was finale, you know, so he has a computer, you know, this is a 90 years old man that's just like doing all those things and, and keep his mind so sharp all the time, you know? I saw him live a couple of times and it, he, he was that way for the audience as well, you know, uh, so welcoming and so full of love. Yeah. And, <laughs> um. I saw him with a WDR big band here in, in, in Cologne. And that can okay. be sometimes a band where it, the vibe isn't always throughout the whole band, 100%, you know, joyful yeah. or whatever. But on that gig, everybody was smiling the whole yeah. time. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. yeah, I think that, um, I think that like the energy that you bring into the room and the band has so much to do with like the music, you know? And and like, I, I never really thought about this consciously, but like, it's definitely something that I carry from him, you know, like my energy when I'm there, like the guys, like it's not common unless I'm really pissed off if somebody like changed my sound or put river. Like mm -hmm. my vibe is always like good, you know? And I'm very positive and just very, loving because I, I saw Jimmy doing that all the time, you know, yeah. and I saw the relationship had, that he had with people and the connections and like how important that was into the way that he played and he felt the music as well. Mm. In another interview of yours, I read that you um, spent time with George Coleman yeah. and talking a lot uh, about harmony. And that's yeah. something that I'm very curious about because That's a lesson where I would like to be a fly on the wall, you know, or, yeah. you know, what was it like to talk, to talk with him about harmony? Um, you know, I think I was a little bit too young to understand as deeply as everything that he was uh, talking to me. And, but like, when I go, when I go back to it, like, I always just remember him saying the importance of like going beyond, you know, going beyond. So he's like, you know, um, my ideal and he will show me like 20 ways of playing my ideal and show me all these substitutions and things that you can think here and you can go here you know so it's not nothing like um 
it's not a secret, you know, like it's not nothing that we don't know where I were, but like importance of owning that as a saxophone player, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's not just like, oh, like know the changes and like you lead the, the piano player, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. it has to do with like, you know, you do two five and then you think about like, you can think about two five, um, you know, half step up and then going into the key, you know, like little details like that or half diminish, mm. uh, turn arounds. And which is like piano players' information, but I think that is a is a very important part of as a saxophone player to understand it from that point of view. Did he you um, tell you about how he cultivated that um, th those abilities and and maybe where he learned them from? Uh, um, Harold Maver. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like he. And that, that is why, like, you know, when I'm with Laggy on tour, like, I'm asking him about how he's thinking, what is the voice leading, you know, or like, I just, because I remember even talking to Mark and he mentioned in Carols and Wilkin, you know, and then to George Coleman and he mentions um, Harold Maybrook, you know, and, and he mentioned that they would sit down for hours and just like, he would talk in Harmon and they would play like in so many different ways and then change the keys and, you know, so... I remember asking him like how he gained the flexibility and, and how he gained the flexibility of playing in the 12 keys. And he said that you just have to do it every day. It's just like a, it's a muscle memory and then it becomes part of your vocabulary so you can be free with it, you know? Yeah. I've seen a video of you guys playing together. With yours common? Mm -hmm. Oh, I think I remember that was many years ago. And you play this, um, this Lee Morgan song in A flat that, bossa nova thing oh yeah i, I can't remember the name but i see you remember yeah that's it that's it you yeah what was wow, that like to be to be on stage with him um you know it's interesting like i've never been that shy but not in a in an ego way you know what i mean i think that like for me is that I mean, it's not, no, I don't think it's like being shy. I, I actually has, I have exposed myself to the experience of feeling uncomfortable on the stage so many times that like I can just go and play, you know? Yeah. And I did that when I went to Smalls for the first time. Like I really hated uh, jump. And to this day, it's like, I still don't feel comfortable, but I went every night and I was like, every time I, I was like, oh, like rather than waiting until the perfect moment, I was like, I just want to be there the whole night. And get over, get over the shit, you know, and I learned the tune when I didn't know, and then like learn to trust my ears. And the point wasn't like how um, how am I gonna play the killing solo, even though like Curtis in there, you know, and Roy Hargrove wasn't there, and like all that, you know. Um, but like what the music needs right now, if it's like 20 saxophone players and everyone is like, you know, because most of the time the jam sessions really suck, you know, yeah. it wasn't like a It's not a healthy environment, you know. Um, or sometimes it's great, but like most of the time it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and being able to be on the stage and be okay with just like learning how to play one note, you know, even though I I can play more notes, but like I just want to play that one note and get over it, you know. <laughs> and and I did that for two years. I went to jam sessions every night and got to a point where I just it's not that I don't care. I care, like I care probably the most, you know, but I don't care about being perfect. Yeah. You know, and, and that is a lesson that I carry to throughout my whole 
life, you know. I can really relate to that. Uh, I, I was, um, when I was a teenager, I always went to this one club in the next big town, which had a jam session. And I was driven there by my parents. And uh, I had my real book under my arm. Back then, I was still playing out of the real books. And uh, to me, it was normal that you go to the jam session expecting to play for as long as you can or you're allowed, you know. Yeah. And sometimes there's no other piano player there. So you just play the whole night. And I think yeah. when you do something like this in a young age, you don't really think about who's listening or uh, yeah. the killing solo or whatever. You just, I'm trying to learn these, this, this music. I'm trying to learn it, you know. And yes. um, as, as we said earlier in our conversation, we didn't have those intellectual thoughts so much. We just like yeah. to play or the feeling of playing your instrument, discovering your instrument. That's a special exactly. feeling. So you're about to teach somebody. Tell me about a couple of things that you've learned through teaching. Teaching has changed my life in a much deeper way than I could ever have imagined. Um, and it happened by coincidence because... Um, you know, at some point I learned that I, I like I want I just wanted to do some movements in my life and and during the pandemic I couldn't get unemployment. So I was like, I just gonna post videos about me teaching, you know, so I could get that show that I have that income. And and then I was like, you know, I figured out that every time I posted on, on Instagram or whatever, I will get, you know, I will get like 10 students easy. And And I got students from like super talented to people that are 50 and they just need to learn something during the pandemic, you know? And, and I learned like the importance of like being aware of how you tell the information, you know, and being able to like, being able to connect in an emotional way with the person and see really what the person needs at the moment, you know? And, and being able to explain something that is complex in a very simple way as well, yeah. you know? And, and I just because I did that so many, so many times, it sort of clarified my own process, you know? And I was like, oh, wow, I have an actually a very specific and sort of unique to me um, process, you know? And, and it helped me to become aware of, like, how I'm going through my process, you know? And so that's when the idea of, like, yeah how think about practicing i do think about sound typing and ideas you know it's the way i've been practicing for a long time and i do think about those three things as a base and then whatever i want to practice i will add it on top you know so if i'm practicing harmony i practice harmony voice leadings doing long toss you know and then voice leadings making um, learning 26-2 playing you know with the metronome on 40 so yeah. i practice my technique but i'm actually thinking about it And then like the creativity or, or transcribing, you know, and and talking about transcriptions, you know, also it made me aware of like how everything that you know as a musician is coming from there. You know, it's not that like, oh, now I'm going to have this sound. It's like, it's just like so much deepness in the way that I do things that is, is very personal to me, you know. And, and just being aware of that, it changed the way that I practice my awareness became much more deeper, you know, and awareness of like, I really care about details, you know, so mm. like I, I can't practice automatic pilot and really need to be aware of like, how is that beat? Is that this sounds good? Like, for example, like right now when I'm practicing sound, um, 
something that bothers me from the sound of 12 stars is, is something that bothers me there. And, and I couldn't, like, I think it's this, like I couldn't figure it out, but I was listening to Charles um, Rouse and, and I was like, he's a little bit flat. And then I hear sun and then I hear different saxophones. But I was like, wow. So the intonation, like the frame of what you think about your intonation, it has to do with your sound, you know? So it could be 441 or 439. And that's still in the spectrum of it, you know, and that defines um, what is your sound. And so I consciously started practicing with um, um, 439, you know, and having, and having the control to be able to play on 440, 439. And, wow. and the reason... Um, why I'm so aware of all these details is because when I'm giving the lessons, I'm like talking about this. I'm like, guys, sound, time, how's your sound? It's not consistent. This is not good. This is like, you know, I don't like this. And I, and I, ha I have to learn how to explain things. I'm really constantly doing a check-in into like, how can I get better so I can give something to them to explain them through the process, you know? Do you think Jackie McLean thought along these lines? Um, I'm not sure because I never took lessons with him, yeah. you know, but I, oh, I mean, now if I think also about teaching, like, um, and I question this because like, I'm not the kind of teacher that's going to, okay, transcribe this solo next week, bring this and next week, bring, you know, I, I told myself, I was like, you pass away. Like, I don't, I do not, I'm not going to give you homework. I just want you to learn how to have the patience to learn how to practice. Like that's the only thing I care for. Hmm. And And if you practice, and if you work on that, I'm gonna be able to tell every two weeks I come here and hear you playing with the band, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I guide them into what practice, you know. So we talk a lot about sound. We go back to transcriptions, and I'm like, but you're not connecting with emotional content, you know. Mm -hmm. And and that I use that as a way for me to also go over information that I already know and absorb it from a different perspective, you know. And then I sit down with them and I actually transcribe with them or like I sit down with them and I practice with them for two hours, you know, whatever. I, and I use my own exercise, my own process. I use their time to work on my own process <laughs> so they can see how I'm doing, how I'm working and they can learn from my own process. You know, that's sort of the way that I think about it. Yeah. That's and, cool. and it's become really like a very deep learning process for me and also for my students, you know, like the relationship that we have is not like, oh, you're Melissa, you're here and I'm here. You know, it's like, oh, I see your struggles. You know, I see mm -hmm. what you're thinking. I see, I see like what, what is going through your mind and I feel the same, you know what I mean? But like the reason why you're there is because like you are sitting down doing the work rather than just like trying to be this or this or this or this, you know? And so to me, teaching is, is so important. It teaches you about who you are and put your ideas and who you are your message in order, you know? I think it's really important that you invite your students into your process because it shows that you're still trying to uh, to learn and to and that you're struggling, as you said, you know, because um, there, there's, there's a type of teacher who uh, gives you the impression of, okay, I have all the answers. You just need yeah. to do this, 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 you know, this is it. And... I think it's way more uh, 
you know, it's, I think it's very, uh, it's better to do it like that where you have an eye to eye level with respect on both sides, but yeah. seeing your, seeing your, your teacher fail or struggle with something can teach you way much more than a teacher who is like, okay, I know everything. Yeah. I just, you know, I just want them to, I want them to trust me, you know, and I want yeah. them to trust the process, you know, because I feel like the information that I'm going to tell them is something that, you know, a lot of people are going to tell them, but I need them to believe that it's true. You know mm. what I mean? Like I need them to stop coming back and keep asking the same question about like, how do you do this? And I need them to believe that they need to sit down and really do the work, yeah. you know? And that is something like really hard, even for great students at, at NEC, you know? And, and also when you build that trust, I can give them shit, you know, without hurting any feelings or having anything weird, exactly. you know? Yeah. So we play sessions together and I'm like, what do you want to play? Explain with those kids, you know? And then I can just stop and be like, are you, why are you bullshitting? Like, you know, I was like, I know that you play the same thing. Like I listen to what you're saying and you're playing the same as a month ago, you know? And I can look at him to his eyes and be like, just be honest, like you can't fool me, you know? So that relationship of trust to me is really important in order to, you know, to, to be a good teacher and help them, you know? Yeah.